This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell, the show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell with... Rob Beckett. Just say it, Daddy. And you say, Josh Widdicombe. Just say it for me. <laughs> there you go. Didn't want to say it. Oh. That's Joseph, two and a half, asking his parents to say it for him. Come on, Joseph. Just pull your finger out. It's our times. Unprecedented times here. We just need, you know, just need our name said by a child. It's all we're asking. <laughs> exactly. Come on. We're all pulling in the same direction here, mate. How about you, Josh? Good? Yeah, fine. Totally fine. Totally Fine. You've been um, I mean, working a lot. Last, when's last leg finishing? Is it up until Christmas? No, it's uh, December the eleventh. Oh, so okay. it's fine. Nice we normally we'd go. We've every year before we've gone up to Christmas. So this is the first time I'm like I'm going to have some time before Christmas. Oh, and basically I'm done, apart from a couple of Zoom gigs. Yeah, on December the twelfth, and I'm just I'm just on Easy Street. Well, what, what's I your can't believe what's it. your Christmas plan? What toys you getting for the little one? Or uh, we've got a Christmas list. Oh, she wrote. She's one. got really into Christmas now. This is the first year. Oh right, okay. So she's she's proper for it. Yeah, she's proper for it. She wants a pink sparkly bike. Classic. Um, absolute classic. And uh, she wants a um, Elsa jigsaw. I'll be honest with you. She's really, you know, those things you think, oh, that she's not going to get into unicorns and the colour pink like yeah. every other girl, and she fucking has, mate. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's what it's like. Our five year old's exactly the same. Our um, uh, the two year old, she's um a lot more into. She absolutely loves dinosaurs. Right. Cannot get enough of them. Yeah. But um, I'm desperate to watch Jurassic Park's my favourite film. Yeah. I love all the Jurassic Park films more so than Star Wars or Avengers and stuff like that. But it's just I'm just panic. I just I cannot go too early with it. I think we spoke about this before, and they're way yeah, you too can young. Cut her off for dinosaurs now. for life, exactly. So it's just a waiting game. So I just need to know when I can show them the first Jurassic Park. I need to work it out. Probably about ten. Mm, yeah, potentially. But it's weird though because at ten, they're so. Like my mate texts me. He's he's doing his kids' Christmas like list. They're sending to Santa, mm. and um, he said his boy one hundred percent is over the sort of 
magic of Christmas and his his, his Christmas list is like a sort of like a hostage demand list, like in a negotiation. <laughs> it's just written it on a on a bit of like A4 paper at the printer that's folded in half, all creased, and just written in the top left hand corner, dear Santa. I've been good this year, so can I have PS5 or MacBook, skateboard, Apollo 11, <laughs> Rocket Lego, clothes, <laughs> money, football boots, good quality mic, rugby ball. Not even a thank good you. Good quality mic? I know. They're all they're all broadcasters now, Josh. Bloody hell, we're in trouble, aren't we? It's really made me laugh. Do you do how Christmassy is your house? Have you got your tree up? Oh, yeah, we, we've gone full Christmas. This year, first year. Artificial. With the amount you leave your heating on, those those needles well, are going to be on the floor gosh, by December the 12th, You are going to be very, very anti this. You've got a plastic tree. We've gone artificial. It's not plastic. Of course you have, Rob. We've, it's on brand. We've gone... The first year, I've always been anti it, but I got sick of... Rob Beckett fans would not be happy if you didn't have a fake tree. <laughs> it's artificial. Stop saying fake. Stop saying plastic. It's artificial. It's like... Okay. It's 4G. It's 4G. I've got 4G AstroTurf tree. It's, <laughs> it's like a pitch in Sweden. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, it, it does look realistic. It's good, but I just think... Yeah, the, the the needles would drop. The amount of heating we've got in a house is just they're thirsty. Oh mate, thirsty mate. Are you pouring an innocent smoothie down on for the for it to uh yeah for it to keep hydrated <laughs> yeah, yeah, throughout? Bit of, bit of sugar in there, bit of a couple of Lucasades just to keep it uh, <laughs> keep it energized. But I, I tell you what is good. I went to Costco and they sell these like yeah. garland things, and you they're, they're about like a wreath. No, yeah, but not a wreath. But it's all it's in one long. Imagine like a really long fat bit of tinsel, but it's not tinsel. Oh, yeah. but it looks like a green. Like bit of yeah, bit of tree, yeah, right? Know what you mean. So it's about, about, about five foot long, right? I think it's about yeah. twenty or thirty quid with lights on and baubles, and you just plug them in and they light up. It is such an easy way to make your house look like it's like a properly festive. I feel like you know, in like America, it's so much more festive than this country. They just put it everywhere, and that, it's an absolute game changer. I, I, it's so festive, our house. I'm loving it. I, uh, I we haven't we haven't done it yet because we we got the tree too early. Three years ago, and by Christmas Day, it was. That's the problem with a real embarrassment. Tree. When you go artificial, you can pop it up late November. Yeah, I'm not going to go artificial, Rob. Come on, Why mate. Not? You know... Why not? Yeah. Because I don't want to go with an artificial tree. I like the smell. Get a candle. Get a candle and cheat it. We've got a candle. We've got some room diffusers. It looks and smells like a real tree. And it comes pre lit, already oh, lights on it. You don't have to find the fairy lights. You don't have to twirl them and twangle them around. You just plug well, it in. That's one of the best bits. It is getting a... Christmas tree ready. Yeah, but what's the worst bit? Taking those lights off as the as the needles fall. No, I do quite enjoy. I do quite enjoy the uh, dismantling of the Christmas tree. Where do you get rid of it though? That's the problem. Trying to get rid of a Christmas council. Tree. The council. They don't know what's going on. I don't know what day of the week it is. But our ones, they go. Yeah, take it to a local park. No, do they? Let's take it to a local park. I'm not going to get that in a car and drive it to a park. It's a nightmare. Take it to a local park and what? Dispose of it like a body? Yeah, just throw it in the like local a, park. It's basically like, you know, like what they did in like Black Eve in like the plague. They just threw bodies on top of each other and buried them. Right, yeah. It's like I that. that. It's like but, a big, yeah. like, it's like a fenced off area. You just chuck the trees in and it piles up like some sort of horrendous. Oh, my word. Oh, no, no. Grave. Hackney Council, come and get it. Uh, that's, if I could put, if I was allowed to put a tree on the street and they take it, I'd be into it. But. They don't. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I normally just throw it at the end of the garden. Well, that's what you used to do in rented property. Is it property. true that you're not having real food for your Christmas dinner as well? You're just going to release the smell of turkey yes, and then have a exactly. plastic one in the it's middle our, of the table? It's our hook, our Christmas. We use our <laughs> imagination and just launch at each other. Do you do advent calendars? Um, yes. So this year, um, Lou did one when she used to make it for the kids, but it was just chocolates and toys and stuff like that. So what she's done this year is a book vent 
So yeah. she's got loads of books and uh, they get a book each day. They're sharing an advent calendar and um, they unwrap a book and then they read that book that night, a Christmassy book leading up to Christmas. Blimey. Yeah. It's pretty impressive what she's done. That is, yeah. I, I, she, wants to, she wants to start selling them next year and doing it for people. That's a great I idea. I mean, maybe if I've given away the idea already. Yeah, I, I think you're fine because this is like the equivalent of, like you can use this in court because this, well, yeah. this is time sensitive. Well, I'm going to show you the book then. And if people are interested in the book then, we will sell them next year. That's the there deal. You go. We'll stick that on Instagram. Do you care what you get for Christmas now? Um, not really. I, you know, I'm sort of. It's weird though because I'm not really into anything too flash. Like, yeah. I quite like computer games stuff like that. But a lot of the time, I would just buy that for myself throughout the year, especially because I do YouTube videos of me playing computer games. It's like yeah. I can sort of justify it at work. So yeah, it's not really anything that I. Normally we do experiences like we'll go on holiday or Lua book a hotel and that kind of stuff, like rather than yeah. material goods. But I'm not really like, I want a new, I don't really have, a, I'm not into watches or into cars or into f- fancy clothes. I mean, who gets a car? Yeah. Not, you don't get a car for Christmas. But So yeah, not really. But probably a bit of Lego I'll be happy with, Josh. Yeah? Yeah. And then when the kids are in bed, I'll do that in the evening with a nice glass of Baileys. What about you? What do you want for Christmas? I don't really, I, I think it's the same. Like, I never thought I'd reach the stage where I actually prefer giving the presents to getting them now. I, I, yeah. I thought that was, when people used to say that, I think, you, you, you fucking liar. You absolute <laughs> You've just seen the li- John Lewis advert and you think that's the best way to be. Don't you dare to give me that kind of shit. Everyone wants to get <laughs> loads of presents. But actually, as long as I've got a chocolate orange, I can give a shit. The, the advice I'd give, though, for parents at Christmas is, I, we got the, they got a, like, a, like a a Disney sort of like castle thing that you had to assemble. And obviously it's hard to do it. So I I spent four hours assembling a Disney castle Christmas Eve, like up against the clock. So I was trying to like lose that off her head on Sherry having a laugh, but I'm sat there like a factory worker. Oh, against the clock as in time-wise? Yeah, because... I I was picturing you like leaning on a grandfather clock. (laughs) Yeah, no, but like having to do that and like, we want to get the trampet. I mean, they're not going to listen to this, are they? Unless someone no. listens to this and then tells them it and ruin my kid's Christmas. That'd be awful. But a trampoline for Christmas. Right. But it's so big, we had to get it delivered to like grandparents. So it's in the grandparents' garage. Got nowhere to put it. So it's in there. So at some point, leading up to Christmas, I've got to go and get it, assemble it, and put it in the garden without the kids noticing. Oh so that could God. only really happen. Put some Christmas. tinsel around it. Yeah, and also their bedrooms look out onto the back garden. Oh, so it's mate. like, I've got to wait till they're definitely... So I reckon it'll be You'll have to about- put up like a um, a sheet around yourself, like when they kill a horse at the Grand National. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, when they like make a big building disappear, like yeah, in yeah, the, the exactly. Mirage. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know what I'm going to do because really the only, the only time I can do it, because I can't assemble it anywhere else and then drive it over. It's not no. like a, a small thing. It's got to be. So when you're all sat having a baby. Be honest, Rob. Be yeah. honest. Two questions. So say say you're doing this at what? 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve? I reckon 8 would eight p.m. would be the earliest because okay. I don't, they've got to be sound asleep. 9 p.m. on Christmas Eve when you're yes. assembling the trampoline. It's going to be, yep. Yeah. <laughs> How pissed are you going to be out of 10? Like angry or drunk? Drunk, because I'm not an American, mate. I, I reckon what will happen is, the problem is it's going to be so cold. I'm going to be on my own because of lockdown rules. Is there not like someone who's bubbling with you that could help you like lose dad or your dad or something? Yeah, but I can't make someone come in my garden at 9pm and put a trampoline together <laughs> Christmas Eve. So, so, so I just want people to know when you're sat having a nice little drink Christmas Eve. You're in the look garden. Look in your garden at 9pm. It could be raining as well. 
Oh, I, I've never wanted a white Christmas more now that I know this is going on. <laughs> or, I could, or I could risk it, get pissed and get up early and do it at 3am. No way. If you're pissed and you're doing it, you're going to have a go, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have a go. I'm thinking about getting a big bow to put on it as well, because that'd be quite fun. But it will be amazing when they see it and they're excited to see it and go on it. But it's just a bit of a logistical nightmare. So if anyone's got any tips on that, I'm sure other people have assembled a trampoline. How hard is it? Do I need a second person? But yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear other stories of people that have had nightmares Christmas Eve trying to put toys together. Yeah. Or if anyone... Battery, that's another tip. Get batteries. Every single type oh. of battery you can get... Buy it and leave it in the cupboard because you do not want to be driving to a petrol station to try and buy them weird little rectangle ones. Oh, yeah. The, the weird little rectangle ones. No one wants them. Um, I, I remember Christmas Day, things not working, and it's an absolute heartbreaker, isn't it? Yes, it's awful. So, yeah, so that's that's going to be my my challenge Christmas Eve, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, let us know what you've assembled Christmas Eve, what Christmas present-style disasters you've had. Rob, would you like to see a three-year-old with insanely long hair <laughs> yes please <laughs> yeah because i said you can tell the age of a kid by how long their hair is yeah you said you said you can tell the age of a kid by how long their hair is um attached is a picture of my daughter how old do you think she is before so- i guess before i guess josh what i was saying was you can tell if there's two children next to each other normally girls yeah. i can tell which one's older i don't know if i can necessarily guess the age no but i'll be able to tell even if they're the same height it's like the rings on a tree Exactly. It's like the rings on a tree. If they're the same height, I'll be able to tell who's older by the hair length. Yeah, well, this... But this girl... Oh, wow. I mean, she looks young, doesn't she? That looks like a wig. That can't be all it her looks like... So this is a picture of my three-year-old. Three? Three. I was going to... Honestly, I, was a... I thought she was a little five-year-old. She looks like cousin it. No, no, I mean, that's unfair. But, like, the hair is as thick and long as cousin it. But they've obviously cut the fringe. That is insane. In three years. She's so cute, this girl. We've had 12 inches of the hair cut off and donated to the Little Princess Trust who make wigs for girls who have cancer. I mean, oh, it's, wow. Which is obviously a lovely thing to do. Yeah. Um, I wonder, do you think this means this girl's just going to have really fast-growing hair for the rest of her life? I mean, yeah, I think that's just going to... She's going to spend... It's all fun and games now, but the money she's going to have to spend at hairdressers. Yeah, I'll have to go hairdressers. Why? I've just tripped over it. <laughs> It's so thick and so long. It looks like, you know, like she's grabbed a drag wig. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And just put it on for fun. I've got questions, really. Just, you know, what do you do with it? When she goes to preschool and her, is it plaits? Are you putting it up? You can't put it up in a messy, like, bun. It's too no. much. Or is the, do the parents have fast-growing hair? Is her dad Teen Wolf? <laughs> let us know. Do get in touch. Do let us know <laughs> on all of those things. Can she slam dunk? <laughs> Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Right. Steph Collison, this is, um, if you are struggling with taking the dummies away from your children, this is a story that might make you feel better about your own experience. We tried uh, the first time to take her dummy away when she was two and a half. Did the whole uh, fairy gift palaver. She got a new doll's house and was very happy to give her up her dummy. The first two nights, she slept like an absolute dream. Couldn't work out why people thought it was so hard. How stupid I was. Night three, she woke up crying and wouldn't stop. She did this every single night. I didn't get more than two hours sleep a night for almost three months. Jesus. Just give her the dummy. (laughs) Give her the dummy. 
After my eye twitched, after 57 consecutive days, through sheer exhaustion, I gave her the dummies back. 57 oh, no. days! Oh, you've done so well. And then he's Because oh, he just sort of think, I've lost two months of sleep for nothing. Oh, God. 57 days. 57 days makes it worse. If she said it after a couple of months, but you know yeah. she's counted them. Yeah. She's now four and a half and has been dummy free for a year after a third attempt at taking it away. And I do think, though, with the dummy, there's no point rushing it. If they really want it and need yeah. it, let them have it. I do think, though, it's quite good to go like, what, this is what, because I had a dummy till I was about three, I think, mm. or four. And my mum and, but my mum and dad said, you can have the dummy, but you can only have the dummy when you're in your cot. I think, you know, generally what we found is with everything that a lot of the, the things that you're scared about doing, they just get there naturally and it's actually yeah. fine. And it's like, yeah, you don't need to rush it type of thing. And I think you get so, especially yeah. when you're first, you get so caught up. No, I've got to get rid of the dummy, got to get rid of the dummy. And it's sort of, you're causing you and the kid unnecessary drama yeah. for really, who gives a shit? Exactly. We all do exactly. weird stuff. Like, you know, if you still had your parents, they'd be like, we've got to start, he keeps going to smother himself, keep hiding under that duvet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But you're a grown up. You make your choices and you shuffle down. Give your life, Josh. I ain't going to judge her. I think the last thing we've probably got, to, not to do, that's the wrong word, but the last kind of thing would be uh, nappies at night. And it just feels like there's no, we're, like, we're not going to put any pressure on this no. or make it. Why? Yeah, so much of the pressure put on those things. And I think a part of it was like with me with the dummy, was a bit like that, was like, you, you feel like a kind of societal pressure, don't you? Yes. I think. Yeah, exactly. But, but and, you know, and I think it's just not not putting too much pressure on you or the kid. Because if it's making them happy and they're, they're cool with it. Like with the, and with the nappy thing, the, the, we, we don't have nappies in the night now at all for the three-year-old. Mm. And she, that was because she went, I don't want to wear a nappy. It's scratchy. So he said, yeah. wear the nappy. But if you don't do a wee-wee in the nappy, then if you do that for, we said, like a few nights in a row, then you can have no nappy. So in the end, she was like, okay. and then. She did have a dry nappy for like about a week and a half, two weeks in a row. They went, all right, then we'll take it off. Now she doesn't have one. But it's like we allowed her to tell us she didn't want yeah. to wear it anymore. They've got to be into not having a nappy in the night. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just a mess. And then they're going to get embarrassed and stressed. Yeah. You're going to get tired and stressed. You're going to have to keep changing the beds and the sheets and stuff. There's no rush for it. Totally. I've never met anyone who's 27 still wearing a nappy at night just in case. You got to 23, didn't you? Yes, exactly. And then I thought, I've got to make a change. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of uh, Instagram messages. Yeah, go on. One's about we're gonna we're gonna go through them and get some more in because some of these are just from quite old um, episodes, but it's still quite funny. This one's um, about having kids close together. Great podcast, guys. We've got a twenty-two month old and a four month old. Just a quick story. We were told by our midwife that when having the first, be careful. It's easy to get pregnant again straight away after chat. One of her families had to have IVF and fell pregnant with triplets. Okay, so that's good though. You're on IVF, it's expensive. You've got all three. You're tapping out after that, you think, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So after they were born, <laughs> she was round and having the same chat about be careful. I know you went through IVF, but you can get pregnant really quickly after having kids. They laughed it off, saying, There's no chance. We've had to have IVF, so we doubt it would happen that easily. And we've ended up with triplets, so we'd rather stop there. Okay. Two and a half months later, guess who's pregnant with twins? Five children under the age of one. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my word. Wow. Five wow. under one. Five under one. 
I think that's worse than having five at once. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because at least oh, if you've got word. five at once, they're all at the same stage. But imagine everyone's just nine months behind. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I genuinely... Before I had kids, I used to think twins would probably be the dream scenario because you'd just bash them out. Do you know what I mean? And it would be like... <laughs> bash them out, yeah. I but you'd be like, you've got two kids for the price of one. But actually, yeah. five oh. in a... Oh, my word. Five under one. Could you imagine that? Five under one. That's just, you'd have to get... Uh, you'd, you'd have to get help. You can't do that. You can't... I couldn't look after five kids on my own. No. I barely could do one. I was talking to my friend who works on Last Leg. He's got three. And I was like... He, I was like, oh, what are you up to this weekend? And he was like, I, my wife's working, so I'm just going one on three. And I genuinely, I just couldn't even comprehend that <laughs> in the, at the moment as one kid. And I know loads of people do it, but I was like, how the fuck do you do that? You know when you like hear about like Dolly Parton's one of, what is she, one of 12 or something mad like that? What's your day? Well, I think when there's 12, when there's 12, the eldest starts looking after the kids for you because they want to feel, they, you know, I think that's what happens, right? You have like a 13-year-old that's basically doing a lot of the work. Having one kid changes your lifestyle completely, right? But going from one to two absolutely sort of screws you with like, it's this, you're just split completely between them. Yeah. So I think from two to three isn't that big a jump as from one to two. It is harder work, obviously, having three kids, but you're just used to that's just what ha- what's happening. And by that point, your house is running at a family home that has children in it. But when yeah. you have your first one, it's like a couple's house that turns into a kid's house. And then when the, the second one comes on, they start outnumbering you. Yeah. Um, I've got a, I've got an Instagram here that's quite funny about um, pronouncing things wrong. Um, Hi guys, love the podcast. Definitely helped during lockdown as I have a seven year old and a one year old turning eight and two in October. They've just turned then. This is how <laughs> this is how slow this is how backdated we are with admin, Josh. This this must have been said in September. I listened to Rob's elephant trunk story and thought I'd share mm-hmm. ours. That was when my daughter said it, quite rude. Um, our youngest, Ellis, is a boy who loves cars, and we are trying to teach him colours. So he thought best to combine the two to help his concentration. Now, we know he's saying white car. <laughs> he is definitely saying white car, but all anyone else hears at the top of his voice is wanker. Wanker. <laughs> wanker. As he points at the offending vehicle, he said, we are hoping he gets his pronunciation through soon as I dread white cars going past. <laughs> Especially with a window open in the summer. Wanker. What was that? Oh, nothing. Um, if you've got anything you want to get in touch, this is how. Email us hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or tweet us at lockdownparents or Instagram lockdown underscore parenting. And you can also send us stuff P.O. Box 76748 London E99DW. Right, Rob, who have we got on today? We have the wonderful Sindhu V, a very funny comedian. And um, I, was, I did Jonathan Rossover the other week. She was really, Ooh. really funny on that as well. And it was a great interview. And she's a very different kind of parent, isn't she, to what we very are? Very different. Very yeah. different. Uh, far more in control of the situation than I am. This is Sindhu V. Hello, Sindhu V. Hello, Josh. Sindhu, what's your setup at home? Okay, I've got three kids. Three kids, two dogs, two now that we got a puppy in quarantine, because why not? One husband and two turtles. (laughs) What a twist at the end. (laughs) And how old are they? Uh, They are... Uh, so I'm going to say this on the podcast and it's crazy. I, because I speak a lot about the children on stage, I have a habit of being vague about their genders, like 
and their ages. I just think if I get too specific, it gets too real. Okay. Um, so I have two teenagers. They're in the advanced years of teenagedom. And I've got one who's quite far away from being a teen. 40. <laughs> Yeah, I always wanted a lot of children. Then I had two, and I was like, God damn, this is hard. And so I just was like, Holy shit. And I kind of was just thought that's enough, you know? And then when that wore off, I don't know why it wore off, but it did. I was like, Oh my gosh, what about all the children I was going to have? And so I had another one. And I learned that three is what tips you right over the edge. Oh, really? And, and you lose the will to live, let alone have other kids. So how many did you imagine you were going to have originally? Oh, four. I wanted four children. Four. Wow. I wanted four. Yeah, I wanted four. always did. Even when I was very young, I remember saying to my mother, I'm going to have four kids. And she would say, you will not even get married if you keep on behaving like you are behaving. <laughs> the job that I had, which was investment banking, it's very incompatible with being the kind of mother it turned out I wanted to be. I never thought I would want to be that kind of mom. I thought I would, you know, be, I always wanted to be a mom, but my boss had five children in banking and she had a stay-at-home husband and three nannies. So I thought, well, I don't have a stay-at-home husband, but if you can, I'll just get a net, I'll just get nannies. You know what I mean? And what didn't, what I had no expectation of was that I would have my kid and, uh, And then that I would change so much because I had him and I took my full maternity leave and I was desperate to get back to work because I really liked my job. But the moment I got to work, I didn't care about deals. I wasn't hungry anymore. I just wasn't. No, I bet. Well, a lot of my friends were. They were, you know, and I, it turned out that if you're not hungry, then being on a trading floor becomes a real mind fuck. Yeah. You have to have a certain attitude of like, go, 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 go. And all I could think about was, you know, my son is teething or, you know, I wonder what he's doing. And I just was like, a, I was not happy. And then they were very good to me. They they changed my job. I was the first woman for whom they created a three-day week on the trading floor front office. But, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up wanting to be in banking. See, I was doing something very different. I think that's a sign is that when you have a child at so many levels, you go back to your roots. whether it's culturally or the family roots you come from or whatever your ambitions were. Yeah. So it didn't work. So I quit. I did such crazy rock and roll shit. I made the firm do so many things. You know, I had to take my clients. I used to cover the US dollar market, but I used to cover clients in Europe. And I I had to take all my clients to New York one time um, and uh, to see Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, whatever, mortgage bonds, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm not going to travel without my kid. I remember he was 11 months old. And I told my boss, I said, I'm not going without him. And he was like, and he said to me, who do you think you are? Madonna? (laughs) Like you can't travel on the road with help and a kid. And so I was like, I don't care. I'm not going to go. So they were so nice. They were like, fine. Bloody hell. Cindy, were you the best trader there ever was? No, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. But what what, what it was, I was by by no means, I was not even a trader. I was in sales. But what it was, was this. And I think this is, this is a very important thing. It was a road trip. So I would have been gone. I was gone about two weeks. And the second thing was, it was an important road trip. And I, my clients liked me. And I think my boss, because he had several kids, I think he was, he had this idea that if we keep cutting women out, when they talk about their kids, we're going to end up with shitty salespeople because often it's a good salesperson you have to let go. But I will say one thing. I will say that at that time, um, I think there was more openness to this idea in Europe that 
somehow you try and accommodate women and children than there was on Wall Street. Yeah. Because when I was in America, it really felt like I was doing something crazy. Yeah. You know, whereas here, people were like, oh, that's cool. You know, not like, are you high? That wasn't the vibe. But it was it was it was a great trip. I guess Europeans, especially in like Spain and Italy, are like way more family focused than in North America. Well, yeah, I think when it comes to work and women and finance, it's like pick a lane. You know, in yeah. Wall Street, it's like pick a lane. And I think I think the UK is second, and then after that is the rest of Europe. And I think the UK tr- has been trying to get it right, and I think they have got it. I mean, things are very, very different now than when I was there. But no, it was such a crazy trip. And I will say that mental health-wise, it was probably not the be- best thing to do. <laughs> Fully focused. I never slept. It, everyone was jet lagged. The baby was jet lagged. You know, oh um, I, the the Indian nanny I took with me stopped speaking. I thought she had a breakdown. Um, she just stopped speaking. I thought she'd had a psychotic break. <laughs> so then you started stand up when your daughters, uh, when your children, the older ones, were teenagers. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, two were in double figures and one was very young. And how did the kids react to that? Well, Josh, for the longest time, I was doing open mic in, you know, buttfuck. They didn't know what I was doing. They were like, you're not reading. Anyway, I never read goodnight stories and all that because they don't be in India. And I thought it was always so tedious. So it's not like they missed that. But what about bath time? No, no, bath time. No, they have a bath. What am I going to do? I mean, of course, they're not that small. When they were small, I was in the bath. I didn't want them to drown. But as soon as they could have a bath, I was like, go have a shower. What are you doing? So what age would you let them shower alone? You know, when they were like a reasonable age, whatever, like, I don't know, six, seven. One of my kids had a habit of going into the shower and coming back and coming out and with a totally dry face. And I'd be like, who are you kidding? <laughs> I was like, how is this How is this possible? He said, no, mommy, I did. I said, you did not. You did. Come on, dude. Come on. And then by the time it was like, really the only time your kids know is when they're friends or, or you're on YouTube or TV. I mean, otherwise, how do they know? They don't. Yeah. And I think for me, that was probably, I think it was maybe when I did um, Have I Got News For You, which I did very early, maybe, I, I don't know, you know, very early and it just happened. And uh, I think my son was, a, he said, he asked me, where you want Have I Got News For You? And I said, yes. He said his science teacher had asked him. And he said, I said no to him. And I said, why? And he's like, why would you be on TV? And I was like, okay. <laughs> that is a real confidence booster. Yeah, but I think the other thing is I didn't like I didn't used to talk about it at home really because I just it was just it's just something I did that was not you know like for the kids I was because I was still always a full on mom I was still taking them to school waking them up going to see their football packing their lunch who has the time in between telling them to stop beating each other up and get their shit together and get in the car to be like oh by the way I'm doing stand up like who who nobody. <laughs> You know, and I'm very, I've always been quite demanding academically of the children. So by and large, they don't like to talk to me. Are you quite stern, mother? <laughs> like quite strict? I I mean, I'm told I'm strict. Who by? Everybody in the house. <laughs> <laughs> what about like, other kids of friends and family? Have there been things you don't like going on in your house and, and you've had to impose your stricter rules on other kids? No, I wouldn't do that to other people's kids in our home. If they come, they behave badly. They're my guests. They can. You will see my kids looking at me in utter panic. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) 
and they look at me in like they're like terrorized because they know what it means to me but they've also understood we have a phrase in in sanskrit which is atithi deva bhava which is the guest comes as god so you do never criticize your guests you know what i mean no matter what but when they leave i look at the kids and they're like we know we got it we saw it um but i think there's a very strong code with the children you know about what's done and what's not done so when you say cuz you were obviously you you didn't do the bed you don't do the bedtime stories what are the other british not parenting traditions but kind of parenting norms that you find kind of baffling like that or just like well I mean baffling you know I do know I can see why you guys tell stories yeah. and it's nice I just I'm like I'm not fucking doing it I I'm just I just it's not even like that baffling right. I'll, re- I'll rephrase the question what other things are you not fucking doing <laughs> um I don't what else do I not do I don't really play with them okay like I play they're around me playing Yeah. Like now I play with them because I've taught all of them how to play rummy and three card poker. That's fine. But yeah. I won't play like fucking, you know, Lego schman. No, 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 no. I've, I've been a kid. I did all this. But don't you find that nostalgia going back to those games and doing something together? Don't you, don't you like get a buzz from that? No, but I do other kid things with them. Like, for example, you know, I've always had, I've always been a little... I've always been a little bit uh, cavalier with this bedtime business, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's when they were very little then you have to because you need a routine and blah blah. But like say when they're four, five, six, seven, like when they've started school. I mean, before they go to nursery, I don't care when you sleep. When you fall asleep, I'll pick you up where you are and then that's it enough, thank you. But if we're going out and you're going to be sleepy and then, you know, misbehave, then we have like don't do that either. So my husband is like you have no rules. These kids just have to adapt. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much right. <laughs> But every once in a while, you know, there'll be something we want to do like there'll be a TV show that we all want to watch and it's like past their bedtime. I'm like, screw the bedtime, let's watch. Or like, you know, if there's a movie that we really want to watch and somehow we can't watch on the weekend, I'm like, let's watch it now. The one thing that I I and I don't have many rules around like dessert and ice cream and whatever. Like this fine, it's in the fridge or we have this eat it you know like just use some sense so would you say you let the small things go but big things you come down on them quite hard i think so i mean i you see kids the ki- the things that kids do which are interesting to both kids and me i'm there i'm there like i took my children alone when they were 4 and 2 to disneyland by myself oh my Ooh. god all the way to los angeles from london well i went from london to atlanta to attend my cousin's wedding Uh, which was a great wedding by the way and then from there I was like well, I'm not going back to London we're already here so I was like let's go to LA and my husband was like I can't do it I'm like that's fine I got this so there's those kinds of things which I think a lot of adults are like are you crazy I'm like no it'll be fine it'll be fine I'll be fine and we had a great time the other thing I used to do which the kids um later told me they had never heard of anyone doing was I really like Pixar okay like really So when the first few Pixar movies came out there used to be one every 18 months like when these when my teens were young I used to not want to go on the weekend because everyone brought their kids and kids would talk and it would be like a kiddie movie event and I'm like I don't have fucking time for this so I used to go on the first day that the movie came out which is usually a Thursday or Friday and I would go to the school I did this with both the, with both of them go to the school tell the school there was a dental appointment or something get the kid out of class and the middle of the day we would go to the movies oh, oh my. 
I bet your kids loved it. Oh my God. Well, it's they, and I didn't tell them because you see kids will tell their friends. And so I would just do it. And I had to, because both my kids have my husband's gene of being very honest. They would look at me with their eyes like saucepans. I'm like, remember the dentist? And we would leave. And I'd be like, dude, we're going to movies. And their heads would explode. And I'd be like, but here's the thing. If you go and tell your friend tomorrow, I'm going to go to jail. So they never told. <laughs> they were like, oh, shit. <laughs> and now they tell me that was so bad. Like, we were so scared. But you're generally hard on them academically. Does, does that not go against that? One day of missing school, you're going to not get a, you're not going to get 10 on 10. What's the matter with you? One day. (laughs) But I'll tell you, you know, these horrible movies, the Fast and Furious ones, they're terrible. I, I find them so bad. And I grew up with Bollywood, right? So really my standards are quite low. But anyway... I remember a couple of years ago, the the last one came out like Fast and Furious, even more idiotic or whatever it was called. And my son, who was a, you know, who's, who was a teenager at the time, wanted to see it. It was coming out at like midnight at the view near us. And he wanted to see it and he didn't want to go alone, blah, blah, blah. Because then, you know, he'd have to. So he asked me and I said, hey, of course I'll go because you want to go to the movies. And my husband was like, that's insane. You hate the movie. You don't like staying up late. But I woke up and I drove. I, I criticized the movie for the duration. <laughs> I was like, what? Then? Now he's flying in a car? Fuck this. And my son was like, shh, shh. I went with him because I think those things with kids are fun and it's about the kids and you do those, but you don't have to fucking bath time. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got a question then on that. So you've got, you described late teens. Where do you stand on drinking, partying, uh, relationships? What I've realized from this conversation is I can't call your view on, like, you know, with most people, you go, I could probably yeah. call what Rob's view would be across and that it's quite consistent. But you work on a very much a policy by policy basis. I can't quite call it. 100%. Zero consistency across the. Yeah, there's no theme. You're not Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but mine, mine is still more scientific than anything Boris Johnson is doing. Um, so that's a very good question because I'm obviously, you know, quite traditional quite Indian in the sense of, I, I I didn't grow up, you know, in a drinking culture. Of course, I drink and my parents drink, but drinking culture, by which I mean getting completely trolleyed and vomiting on the streets and this kind of thing, which is quite common here for teens. Yeah. So I had a choice. I could either have been as stringent and probably lost my teenager in some way because he is a Western child. I don't care what you say. He's half Danish. He's been raised here. I'm quite a mix, both, you know, because I've lived here a long time and the choices I've made uh, in terms of I'm doing stand up and this. And these are not traditional Indian things. And he's not being raised in India. So I could have stuck with my value system and said, oh, it's right, it's right. Um, but I think I would have lost him. And I, I think for me, a central guiding principle with my children has always been that my children must always feel that where I am is home. No matter what they do and what shit hits the fan and what shit they do, they should know that they can come home. And to have that, to engender that feeling in your child, I think you have to, there has to be a sense in them that things could get ugly, but they'll always be okay. There's no judgment that would make them unwelcome. And I think shame is a very, very, very big part of this equation. And you have to 
ha- somehow let your child know that there is no shame in when they are in front of your eyes. So if that is my guiding principle, what I had to do was I had to turn to my Danish husband and be like, what is with the fucking drinking and fucking? What's the plan? Because I don't know. <laughs> Are we you willing know? to accept whatever he said on that? Um, well, we're very good friends. And I didn't at once agree. We had some back and forth. But um, I know that what I thought was... I can't trust myself on this because all of the signals I have are completely contrary to the world in which this child is raised. And also I trust my husband because my husband is a very conscientious and responsible guy. And I thought, well, fine. It was very hard in the beginning, really hard. And my husband used to take my phone away because he'd be like, he's gone out calling, giving him 83 missed calls is not going to help. Oh, yeah. No. And so he just would take my phone away. And then also at that time, I used to speak a lot to my mother who uh, passed away in November. So I don't speak to her now. I mean, I do in my head, but you know, um, it, I used to call her and I used to say, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't marry an Indian and he's let him out to go drinking. And ah! And my mother used to say to me, she used to always say, first of all, she used to say, you are very stupid. She started every sentence like this. You are very stupid. My son-in-law is a great man. <laughs> And then she used to say, don't try and teach him what you don't know. She used to ask me questions like, are you Danish? Are you Britisher? Are you a boy? And you're like, no, no, no. She said, then, then why are you trying to teach him? Shut up. So I think I just let it go. And then when I saw that things were not going off, off the rails, I started to trust the process. Does that make sense? The yeah. worst feeling for me would be like if my daughter, when she was a teenager and having a drink and, and was a bit tipsy and was too scared to come home in case I bollocked her, and then she was just yeah. sat on the street or at her mates waiting to be sober. You don't want, you know, to be the parent yeah. that goes yeah, to see, the off-license room. But then, you you know, you do want to be able to have a beer with them in the house if they want. I didn't want any of that. And, you know, Danes are very, very good about this stuff. And, you know, so in the beginning when I was a bit nervous, because, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I don't care what you what the world says kids are drinking younger and younger these days, mm. you know, and they're not 16 when they start drinking. Not, no. no. I've got absolutely shit faced as a 15 year old. It was self-serve vodka and orange. And I come home and I was sick on the front door and I was mm-hmm. sick in my bed and then I pissed myself. And I was like 15. That's insane. Well, there you go. As, as for relationships, I have always thought, I mean, of course, deep down, I want to arrange all their marriages, don't I? But I can't. <laughs> And I mean, I, you know, I, I have people in mind, my, my close friends who have children who are the right age. And I just somewhere deep down, I think, well, that would be nice. But then I say, Sindhu, shut up. It's never going to happen. I think all moms are like that, though, aren't they? Even like Western yeah. moms. My mom would always go, oh, she's nice because she knows the mom and dad. And it would exactly. be easier for everyone involved if you just got off with a girl around the corner. Uh, yeah, maybe not just get off, like marry. That to me is like the goal. Uh, but you know, and I, but I've had people in my mind for my children since my children were four and five, but I don't say anything about it. I keep it to myself. What I have spoken to my children about is issues that, because when it comes to drinking thing, I was less certain on this stuff. I'm not at all uncertain. I've, I've spoken to them about being responsible, um, consent, a consent has been a big thing in my mind for these kids. And so I've talked about being responsible, consent, and also try not to come home with someone I think is very dull. (laughs) Because I just don't know how, like, I don't think I have it in me, you know. My husband doesn't say anything to them. He's like, I'm happy if you're happy, which is, what? What? 
On the subject of your husband, we do offer our guests a chance that if any gripe or issue with something their partner does with parenting, and they don't feel like they can ask them or tell them, you know, this is your opportunity to, you know, indulge in that. Rob, do you really think there's anything I've felt that I haven't said to him face to face? I mean, I did think that would be the response. I just don't have anything like that. When was the last time you like really lost your shit with him? Oh God, I don't know. Like, uh, let me think. Probably very recently. I mean, I lose my shit on a quite regular basis. Over the weekend, I lost my temper because because you know what? Eighteen plus six is not twenty two. It's not fucking twenty two, and we've been over it so many. Times. How is eighteen plus six twenty two? What what has happened to you? Where what? Like I got crazy. I was running around the house saying 22, 22. The dogs were running away. My husband was like, just let it go. I got crazy. 18 plus six should not be 22. Come on. I mean, to be fair, I'm still working it out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First of all, I, I think what I have to also put in here is that those years of being at home with the children, I was very on it. You know, I didn't just say, well, go ahead and please get A's and show them to me. I worked with them. I figured out what they knew how to do, what they didn't know how to do, you know, and disciplining discipline in practice is a very important part of performance. And I think as a stand up, especially, you know, you go out and you gig because that's what gets you good. So d- discipline in practice academically is something that I think from a young age they've, and I don't think I'm unusual. You ask any South Asian parent, they're going to tell you this, you know, it's a big part of their day. It's like, you have to do this. You have to come home from school and you play a little bit. You have to do studies. So I think it's kind of built into the system. Then there are sub. see, when I was growing up, you couldn't be bad at anything. I don't have that rule. So with like, for example, one of my kids is not very good in math, but that's fine because they're very good in history. So math, I know what the level is. It's the issue is, what are you bringing to the table today? Are you bringing your shitty work ethic for who? The world doesn't need that. You bring good work ethic. And then if you end up with a B in math, it's fine because you got an A star in history because it shows that you're working hard. That stuff is in the system in this house. And that's very much from me. And I also think if they say, well, but that doesn't make me happy. I'm like, and no one cares. To be fair, I was never that great academically, but I put all the effort in I could. So as long as they try their best, that's fine by me. Mm-hmm. It's the effort and it's the work ethic. I think children should have a sense of responsibility of what the fuck they're doing here. And also, they have to have some sensibility for their parents. Like, what are you doing today that's doing for me? Hello? Um, I've got one last question, Sindhu, which I'm fascinated by, because you have an excellent use of the word fuck when you're really making a point. And what is your ruling on that? When you say what the fuck are you doing this doing here, is that what you're is that what you're saying to them? Well, not when they're little. But you know, now I'll now sometimes if they if the teenagers really get on my nerves or you know, because they, they'll push you and they'll argue and they'll say things, you know, and they'll they'll make comments that are intended to make me feel to put me down. You know, sometimes they'll say something about my comedy or something. And and I think that's fair. Don't I mean they're not being rude, they're sort of pushing boundaries and they want to have a discussion. And yeah, fine, I'm here for that. That's fine. But I so my mother swore a lot. And she swore in front of us. She came from a very feudal family in which swearing is sort of women swear behind closed doors. So they don't swear in front of the the male folk, but they swear in front of their kids. And she had it down to an art form. And she then, when she became a therapist and trained in America, returned from America and started saying things like, fuck your asshole. 
And we were like, what? She started, we're like, I don't think it's fuck your asshole. I think it's fuck you asshole, but okay. Um, <laughs> she started using English bad words like extensively, much to, into- <laughs> it was hilarious, hilarious. But she had that energy and I, I absorbed that without realizing. I never swore in front of my parents, but as soon as I left the house, I was like potty mouthed. And um, then I joined a trading floor. I mean, you, swearing on the trading floor is normal, you know? And so what happened is when I had kids, I had to very consciously not swear in front of them. That didn't last. Uh, I started with shit and then it went from there. And then I remember my firstborn was, I don't know, he was not yet 10 and something came up and it was about a bad word. He didn't really use it or maybe he used shit or something. And I turned to him, I remember I pulled the car over and I turned to him and I said, listen to me, man, it's a big deal if you swear because it's my fault, but I, I'm, I can't stop swearing. So here's the deal. When you become a mother and he said, mommy, that's never going to happen. I said, okay, a father then you can swear. But if you swear now, I'll get into trouble and I have no time for that. So don't you ever, ever swear. And he didn't. And when you have one kid and you set, here's the thing, because Josh, you only have one, right? Yeah. Set the tone because number two and three, they just follow, they just fall into line, more or less. Oh, I'm in trouble. (laughs) More or less. So yeah, so they don't swear. I think I think children's respect for parents is not necessarily, that doesn't have to be expressed through in traditional ways. Yeah. You know, um, and you know if your child respects you. And also they have a certain ease around you, right? Yeah. And that's very nice because they're not thinking, oh, I'm now with my parents and I'm now not with my parents. Of course, he has a much better time with his friends, but he should feel, because that's when they talk to you is when they have that sense of ease, you know? Sindhu, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. This was so fun. It's been a pleasure to talk to you genuinely. I am absolutely fucking terrified of you. Don't be terrified of me. <laughs> to be honest, and I mean this as a kind of compliment, I understand you less now than an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I much prefer the two-dimensional figure, Cindy. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cindy, thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you, Cindy. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much, you guys. It was fun. Cindy V there. I absolutely loved that. She's very scary. Yes. Yes. But do you know what? You know, like Jose Mourinho or someone like that, who's got that that fear factor, but also you, you go out and play for them. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you, you were so spot on, though, because the idea I had of Sindhu were like, oh, because she's spoken about it in the past, being like very academic driven and quite strict with the kids and they've got to be grown up, so don't baby them and stuff like that. And then she's like, yeah, I just took them to Disneyland on my own. You'd yeah. never, you'd never, I'd never imagine she'd have done that. But no. I think maybe that's how she can get away with being so strict with me like that, where they go, look, she's not just a lunatic. She's really fun and a good mum. <laughs> no, but you know when someone's yeah, just yeah. like, are you my dad or mum, or are you just this lunatic who screams at me if I don't get good grades? Because if that's the case, what is the point in life? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know you've got to get a good job and do well, but you've got to have the fun as well. And I think taking your kids out of school for a pretend dentist appointment to go to cinema is such like a power move for a parent. That's so, I'd love my parents so much if they did that. Imagine yeah. getting taken out of school for that. That's your absolute dream. Yeah. Because you think you're going to the dentist. Exactly. You don't, it's not like, it's not even that you you think that it's just another day at school. You think it's something worse than school. But then, do you know what's worse, Rob? What's that? Next time, when you are going to the dentist and you're like, see you later, lads, I'm off to watch Monsters, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> 
You come back with train tracks. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Bye.